Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. This is wonderful. I have smooth stuck in my head again. So it must be the end of July, huh? We must be pulling into August if I've got Carlos Santana and the other guys smooth stuck in my head, huh? You know what's interesting is that somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook just posted uh, some pictures from a Carlos Santana concert they went to. And you have to wonder, obviously Carlos Santana has a long and storied career before his uh, fabled partnership mm-hmm. with Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, just lots of lots of shredding, lots of shredding. I don't actually know that much about his career. There was a Guitar Hero song, it was fine. Uh, but does Rob show up? At the live shows. Probably not. Probably not. He's got other stuff to do. Is there a particular lyric of Smooth that makes you think of the summertime? And you know what's funny? I mean, well, that's a hot one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's fair. You watch that music video. It's a lot of people sweating in the sun. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, no, it's the official summer jam. You know what's funny, though? I have it stuck in my head, but I don't know a lot of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, the part that's like... And it's just like the ocean under the moon. Oh, no, I do know it. Shit. I know every word. <laughs> yeah, this reminds me. You know how you said it's a hot one? Yeah, in the it's voice? a hot one. This is like after we have dinner and you're very full mm. and you do the Dave Matthews. Are you too mad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Did I tell you the best thing about having an infant is the number of times that you're allowed to bust out a pretty baby? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to make a sort of like post-coital release sigh at the end of that, <laughs> but it is what it's what happened. So mm-hmm. I needed a, I had a post-coital release. Do you have any small wonders? You know, I always mean to think of these, but you don't is the thing, and then I don't actually do it is the problem. Can I swing in here? I'll do mine real quick and give you time. Yes. Uh, the reason I probably have smooth stuck in my head is because we just finished watching the new Veronica Mars stuff, which was oh. uh, created by a different Rob Thomas. Uh, really good. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. It's really good. It's way better than like. It's way better than it has any right to be. I thought it was going to be like fan service of like, oh, and remember this guy? He's back. But they do do that, but they do it in a way that is like. Feels necessary. It feels necessary Mm -hmm. and earned. And Mm -hmm. uh, there is a pretty dramatic tonal shift of this season compared to obviously when she was in high school and the movie, which I don't remember anything about. Uh, but they like make that tone work. And so even though it is like way more adult, way more mature, it still feels like old Veronica Mars. Yeah. It is like, even if you don't care about Veronica Mars or whatever, like it is, it is beyond my comprehension how they have managed to pull off a, you know, reboot or whatever. I think if you make something like 15 years after it goes off the air, I think it counts as a reboot no matter what. But yeah, yeah, I was blown away by how good, mm-hmm. by how good it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Um, blown away because there's bombs. Oh, that's good. I was going to say that I was telling Griffin since it takes place during spring break, it's getting real OC vibes. It did give me some OC vibes. Ooh, uh, you know you said that and it activated that center in my brain where I started running the math on how long it's been since I've watched all the OC <laughs> and if I can, if it's okay for me to, I'll tell you, what's, I'll tell you what it is. We don't have a beach trip this summer. You and I are not going to the beach this summer. And so That's true. maybe we need to head to California, California. Ooh, 
You're close. Keep keep trying. California, California. from the oh. wizard. <laughs> I changed. Yeah. Did you? Th- I gave you so much time there. You gave me a, so much time. And during that time, I came up with the small wonder. Oh, yeah. Which is the little video that somebody in the wonderful Facebook group posted of how those I Spy books are photographed. So cool. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it. You meet the like photo artist who invented them. And like I had to, I had so many of those. And like it's real pictures. Yeah. It's real pictures. Every one of those is a real picture. Yeah, like it's it's composed. It's not like a bunch of images layered on it's top a of big, each other. It's one big photograph. Yeah, he really like he lays it all out. My man lives it like little F.E.O. Schwartz. Got all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Did I say F.E.O. Schwartz? You said it real fast, so I just, I, I gave you the, the credit for A on that. Uh, thank you. Uh, who goes first this week? I believe it is you. I think it's my turn. Then grip and rip it, baby. I'd like to take you to the poetry corner. You said that so gently. Look at your sound wave on that. It's barely visible. (laughs) You're trying to give me, now I have to boost your audio, but I think you're just trying to give me ASMR vibes. All right. Do you want me to retake it? No, it's fine. It's the poetry corner. Now now look at your sound waves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not ideal either. Yeah. All right. Just playing a little game over here. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck whoever has to edit this, right? (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're in it. Uh, Do you need the song? I would like it, yeah. It's the poetry corner on 109.9, the Warhammer. <laughs> um, Does it go up to 109.9? I didn't think it went past 107. Uh, okay, well, this is 109.9. It's pirate radio. It's the Whammer. We, do they now and this radio station you created? Do they do things besides poetry? Oh yeah, 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 and, yeah. And how do they transition? Let's say so. Like, what comes after the poetry corner in the uh, the schedule? Well, it goes from like musical to less musical, and less musical, less musical until we land on poetry, right? So mm-hmm. we start with like the most pure, like all music all the time, which is Christian ska. And then we mm-hmm. take a step down from there and we get to Zydeco. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of music. Look mm-hmm. at some sheet music for Zydeco, folks. Then, you know, classical uh, hip hop and then dubstep and then scat mm-hmm. and then poetry scat. Oh. And then scat poetry. That's a nice transition you created. Then we go back up to dubstep. Oh, okay. But acapella. Oh. Then poetry. I love that. And it's all commercial free, folks. Is it the same DJ? It is. He's a, yeah, he <laughs> doesn't need to sleep. The tone he brings to Poetry Corner is a little more Well, that was a octane. promo. You know that they cut those together in like Nashville oh, or like, you know, mm-hmm. iHeartRadio headquarters mm-hmm. and then they send them out. Mm-hmm. You think that every radio station hires somebody who like can go, 109.9, the whammer. <laughs> can I... Can I take things to where I like to be? Yeah, please. In the corner? Yeah, please. And out of the whammer? Yeah, please. Uh, So the poem I'm bringing is by the poet Simone Munch. That is a fun name. So in a way, it's my own Munch squad. Hey! (laughs) It's spelled M-U-E-N-C-H. Still. It was fun though, right? Guess what? The people listening, they can't know how it's spelled. (laughs) They just hear it. So I could have started this with like 
I want to munch. I want to munch poetry. And then you'd say, Simone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Simone Munch was born in Louisiana. She got her bachelor's and master's in Colorado and then a PhD at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And she currently directs the writing program at Lewis University in Illinois. Still alive? Yep. Fuck yeah. (laughs) It's so much better when they're still alive. (laughs) She's written six books of poetry and has worked collaboratively on three books. So this is what's kind of exciting about Simone. Okay. She has been kind of exploring working collaboratively with other poets on a book. By submitting pieces to the book or actually working together on poems? No, like literally, yes, literally a poem that is collaboratively written. Interesting. I never think about that as being a thing that people Mm -hmm. do. So, for example, uh, there is a poet, Dean Rader, that she worked with, and she would um, work on a line and then send it back and forth. Huh. And they would put whole sonnets together just that, like that. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. It's like Mad Libs, but artistic. I like it, too, because it's a good motivating device, right? Like, it takes a little of the anxiety off because you're just doing one line at a time well and also like you are being held accountable by this other person who sends you uh one single line of but then wait hold on that could get really imbalanced because then i could write like i want to eat a tasty asparagus and send it to you and then you're like well shit well you know somebody's always doing the setup and the other person has to figure out how it rhymes with it i appreciate our elders because they take care of us like asparagus yeah but then but then do you really want to after i've just done to you do you really want to send that back to me (laughs) to to pitch another you know poetry doesn't always rhyme right uh it does or else it's just talking okay uh so the other kind of inventive approach she took uh started with a book that she released in 2014 called wolf centos and this is not something i'm familiar with but a cento uh, which is also called a collage poem, is made up of lines by other poets. So what they would do is they would take a line of poetry that they really liked by another poet, and they would use that as the first line of their new poem. And they would kind of build from there. Is that allowed? Yeah, of course. Don't, not of course, it's IP or whatever. Like it's my, that's my, <laughs> you can't just, you know what I mean? Well, like a true cento is apparently just all lines from other poems. So you didn't write a lick of it. It's your, no, it's your this is your, your but mashup. But you composed it. It's much in the way that a painter does not necessarily make the paint himself. Okay, that is a wild. Mm-hmm. This would be like if somebody took like a little pieces of all the water lilies and then put it together in one turbo lily painting. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this is mine now. I mean, that is that is collage, right? Is taking But bits. collage isn't necessarily taking other people's stuff. I don't know. I think it's cool, right? Like I think it's a cool idea, but mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I'm a content uh, creator and so I'm always thinking about mm-hmm. I'm saying this poem we get so many YouTube strikes. <laughs> I'm saying that Simone's channel would be uh, demonetized quicker than than, you know, split to lickety split. See, that's why I can't do poetry. Art art is is usually some degree of theft. You know that, right? Okay. Well, then this podcast is now called Old Town Road, <laughs> and you can find it on anywhere that other Old Town Road is available, and it's going to be indistinguishable. This is Old Town Road, 
a podcast about things we like. Do you want to go ahead and get us started on that one? Yeah. I'm going to take my horse to Old Town Road and walk it all day long. My name is Lil Nas. <laughs> this is my horse. And together we'll sing this song. Old Town, Old Town, Old Town Road. Mm-hmm. The street cleaners come on Tuesdays. <laughs> old Town, Old Town, Old Town Road. And shit, help me, babe. What rhymes with Tuesdays? See? And this is what I do. I would take all that and I would mail it to you. And I'd say, you f- you fucking finish it. I don't know. <sighs> but you needed to know when the street sweepers came. No, yeah, because that's what moves the story along. Yeah. Because later, yeah. you have to move your horse because the street sweeper is coming yeah. on that side of the street. So you have to move your horse to the other side of the street. And you can yell, the street sweeper's coming. But that dumb horse will stand right in front of the whirling mm-hmm. blades. Mm-hmm. Of the streets we played. I became familiar with Simone Munch while I was living in Chicago. uh, And it was the book Lamp, Black, and Ash that I first got my hands on. That's kind of excited about her. That's kind of a little poem right there. I know. Uh, So she is currently uh, a professor, as I mentioned. She also teaches film studies courses, has a real interest in film multidisciplinarian Mm -hmm. particularly horror movies you can find a lot of commentary from her on horror movies there's she has like a series of poems that are just based in horror movie themes it's it's actually it's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. freddy's coming Uh uh-oh sharp blades sweet dreams down to that rhyme so but like imagine it rhymed and was a poem are you, is the whole point of this that you want to impress me as a poet and so that one day I bring Griffin McElroy to Poetry Corner yeah. as my favorite new poet? Yeah. I mean, somebody could probably take things I've said over the mm-hmm. thousand hours of recorded mm-hmm. uh, my voice audio that exists out there and turn it into a pretty banging poem. Mm-hmm. And then it's mine because it's my voice. <laughs> So the poem I want to read you is from a book called uh, The Air Lost in Breathing. Uh, There is a review, actually, of that book from Stephen Malcolmus from Pavement. Oh, wow. Yeah, it says, Munch has composed her book with the killer poet's sense of timing, drama, and tenor. The Air Lost in Breathing is written in an unpretentious yet biting style. Terrible escapes and violent interruptions. It's all here for the taking. Have we done Pavement on this show? I'm pretty sure. I don't think we have. No? I don't think we have. We could. We could. We like pavement. We do. What's the poem? The poem and um, just a mild content warning. Um, There are some uh, suggestions of abuse, but not described in detail. Okay. The poem is called, On Hearing My Father Pulled a Shotgun on My Grandparents During Thanksgiving Dinner. And this is from The Air Lost and Breathing, which came out in 2000. All my relatives seated, Llewellyn and her new husband, Aunt Nan and Laura May, Uncle Buddy passing mashed potatoes, toasting God, good food, and the lack of family deaths this year. Everyone flying, driving home for that day when families convene, and I laugh, imagining my father strolling in, uninvited, shotgun on hip, his red hair tangled and cowlicked, beer gut protruding from the hem of his t-shirt, shooting the turkey, and everyone splattered, not with blood, but celery, oyster stuffing, droplets of grease. 
I have always held my father up in one hand, everyone else in the other, as if on a set of scales, and my grandparents, my mother, and I sink while my father floats there weightless and grinning. I refuse to see my father's grief, a wife who divorced him, a daughter who hates him, his liver dissolved, his angular cheeks now pockets of flesh, veined and sallow. I only saw how the nights he didn't come home were a relief to us all. But for once, alone, a thousand miles from the south, and not part of the argument, I think about my father as a boy, rising at 4.30 to milk cows before school, an ache in his stomach from too little sleep, and on days when he was too sick to get out of his bed, his father, my grandfather, would jerk him up, belt in hand, and he would trudge to the dairy with the crack of a belt echoing in his ears. A young boy with hair shooting out in bright red spirals, his body wiry, pale as cream, perched on a stool, waiting for the sun as his body shook with anger, the sting of leather, the chill of southern dawn, and the only heat came from the cow's moist, noisy breath as he squeezed her udders for milk, formed clouds with his mouth in the dissipating dark. Jesus. Isn't that cinematic? Can't you see her as a film studies? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a that was a very uh, affecting story there. Uh, I um, it was interesting because I you know whenever I like a poet and I look for a poem to bring, uh, I want it to be something that's like emblematic of their work, but you know, kind of like a nice succinct, you know, generally uplifting poem. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes though. You cannot shake a poem. And I looked at maybe 20 of Simone Munch's poems and yeah. then just kept coming back to this one because it was so powerful. Yeah, no kidding. And it stuck with me just all day long. And so I, I had to bring it because it um, kind of shows the power of her voice and of her storytelling and and the kind of precision with which she like puts an image together. Yeah. Um, and and kind of the, the fearlessness of it. Yeah, too. no kidding. You know, like that's just like obviously like a lot of challenging things are being referenced in that poem, but it feels so brave uh, that it is really powerful to read. And I really enjoyed it. You do know that I can't follow that up with like my first things clown farts or like, you know, (laughs) that is the danger of the poetry corner. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, because poems are good. Poems are good. Poems are good, man. I don't know. A lot of intensity there. Uh, so, but, you know, go ahead with your, you know, Tootsie Roll Pops or whatever. Jesus. <laughs> uh, mine is a, a, a seminal work of literature for okay. me. Okay. Highly respected in the annals of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and as lo- beloved. By Toni Morrison? By, yes. Toni <laughs> loves it. Crazy about this one. I want to talk about a book by an author named Gary Paulson, and the book is called Hatchet. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this. I love Hatchet. I was on a kick where I was like thinking about, I don't know how I got on this. I think I watched a little bit of like Wrinkle in Time on a plane. And it got me thinking about like all of the books that were so formative yeah, to me. Yes. Like, uh, like, like Wrinkle in Time and uh, Bridget Terabithia and The Giver. Holy shit, The Giver and uh, Brave New World and like all these books I read when I was a kid. Uh, and I keep, I just can't stop thinking about Hatchet because man, that was the first book I remember reading that I was like in love with. It was like the first book I remember reading where 
I read it again, like after I finished it, like pretty soon after, just because I had such a good time being uh, in that world. Um, If you're not familiar with Gary Paulson, he is... um, a like a wildly prolific outdoorsman author uh who who wrote this book hatchet about this 13 year old kid named brian who uh survives a plane crash in the like northern canadian wilds and then has to survive out there uh and he ended up turning that into like a whole five book series and uh did you read the other books i'm not familiar with the other ones yeah i'll do a little plot synopsis because they get pretty wild okay uh, but like a few years after Hatchet came out, they made an adaptation, a film adaptation of it called uh, A Cry in the Wild. It was a big hit. Um, despite that success and like all of the things that he has written, like uh, over a hundred books, uh, I, I, I think not all necessarily big chunkers, but uh, he still lives in like relative obscurity and like not, uh, you know, he's not flexing necessarily. He has, mm-hmm. just like chills in New Mexico. He got really into Iditarod racing for a long time. Uh, and then, uh, like was like race, raising Iditarod race dogs. Oh my God. Uh, until he had to retire from that in 1990 because he had a, a, some sort of heart condition. But then in 2004, I guess he licked it because he got right back into Iditarod <laughs> racing. He's like, he, 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 I don't know much about the man. I didn't like do a bunch of research on interviews and stuff like that but he just sounds like a like super outdoorsy dude which you definitely get from hatchet and all these books well and then um, he made all those those cartoon strips you know with the the far side that's pretty good <laughs> can i confess to you that when you first said gary paulson there you was thought like that i was gonna there do. was about five seconds where i thought wait is he gonna oh paulson never mind <laughs> yeah uh so hatchet if you've if you haven't read it it was published in 1987 uh it won a newberry award uh and like surface level like it's a pretty straightforward book this boy crashes he's flying to his, his parents are divorced he's flying to to see his dad up in northern canada pilot has a heart attack plane crashes into a lake he survives pilot dies and all he has to survive in this like huge 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 uh, uh plot of uninhabited land is a hatchet that his mom gave him as a present and he uses it to survive uh, and, you know, he eventually gets in the sunken plane again and gets the radio transmitter and is saved. Bada bing, bada boom. That's it. Uh, there is a lot more to it than just like the the survival story, like a surprising amount of exploring the isolation that a young person goes through um, when facing some sort of family challenge like a, a, a divorce like this. Um, which is like, I don't know, I think it's easy to sell uh, the children's lit sort of genre short uh, in, in this regard, but I feel like it's got a lot of other stuff going on for it. Um, and all that is relatable, like not necessarily the torn family thing for me, but like angst, 13 year old angst, there's, there's loads of that in this book. Well, yeah. And to, I don't know, when you think about movies like Castaway, for example, that are very based on this kind of like survival. Right premise there's something different about the idea of it being a kid i mean for obvious reasons but also like you can't even like you're not preparing that scenario you know i feel like the older you get the more you're kind of always trying to plane crash (laughs) always trying to think kind of a step ahead of how you would react or how you would respond but when you're younger like that's that's no part of your experience and so to to be in that situation yeah is kind of I don't know. It's it's fascinating. And it, well, it, Paulson like wrote about surviving like um, hard situations like this, like hard physical situations. But he also wrote about like 
you know, surviving psychological trauma and, and, you know, shit from shit from your youth. And, uh, you know, there is an element, I guess, of, of some sort of autobiography in, in there, but I don't think he's necessarily ever been especially forward about that. Anyway, all that stuff's great. It's not why I like the book. Uh, I like the book (laughs) because it's a badass adventure about a normal kid who has this godlike instrument in the Mm -hmm. form of this hatchet and he crashes and he's like hurt oh no what do i got a hatchet well shit it's just a hatchet what am i supposed to do you can do anything with it i know you can do anything he gets it he like uses it to get all kinds of dope stuff it's like minecraft the book like he starts out (laughs) and he punches a tree and he gets a you know he makes a spear and a bow out of it and he starts hunting and pretty soon builds like an awesome shelter that when you're a 13 year old kid like you want to have that shelter and live in it and eat you know the turtles that you caught that day and you want to fight off the fucking big porcupine who's a major dick and you want to somehow survive a tornado that comes to like this book gets a what this book throws some (laughs) shit at young boy brian uh, and he's just this normal kid that when pushed to into this like horrible circumstance, uh, not only survives, but thrives. And he starts with nothing and turns it into this sustainable life out in the forest. And yeah. as a kid who doesn't have any outdoor expertise, like that was so enticing for yeah. me. That was so, so gripping for me. Uh, and I, I would actually be curious to see how hatchet sales were affected by the release of this book because to this to this day if i see a nice hatchet at like rei or something i'm like oh you think there were parents going out and being like oh yeah sure i'll get you a hatchet i think if henry reads hatchet when he's 13 and is like this book is incredible and my birthday's coming up you're gonna want to get him say no i'll get him a hatchet not a super sharp hatchet. No, well, it's got to like be a sh- dull. No, it's got to be sharp because if he gets in a plane crash in the Canadian wilds, mm-hmm. he's gonna need the hatchet. Mm-hmm. But see, Brian didn't have the benefit of reading Hatchet. Mm-hmm. He was the hatchet. <laughs> he went before us as the hatchet. I almost said the hatchet man, but that's a different. Nope. That's an entirely different thing. Yes. Uh, so the rest of the series, there are four more books in the series. Wait, can I ask you? Is yeah. it Brian every time? Uh, no, it's mostly, oh, it is Brian every time. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were asking if the word Brian is in the title every time. No, no. I'm wondering like how much stuff happens to this poor guy throughout his life. It's Brian and most of it is still like pretty close against 13. Like he doesn't grow there. I don't think there's a book where he's like 52 and, you know, quits his office job or whatever. Actually, one of those books is kind of like that. Let me. Okay. Okay. The second book is called The River. And this is the second book in this series. And in the second book, the government comes to Brian and says, we want you to teach us how you survive so that we can teach the military your secrets, 13-year-old boy. Okay. And so he goes out into the wilds with this like like military liaison uh, and they go out there together and he's like, no, we can't bring any other supplies. It's got to be authentic. And the liaison's like, okay, whatever you say. And then like he gets struck by lightning or something like that. No. And it's like, uh-oh, here, <laughs> back at it again. <laughs> got to get this dude down the river. Uh, the, the next book, the third book in the series, try and follow along here because okay. the timeline's going to get a little convoluted. Okay. At this point, 
uh, you know, it's a big book. Hatchet's a big book, and it's big enough to, even pre-internet blow-up era, get a lot of detractors saying, like, uh, you know, what are the odds that this kid would actually do it? He finds the radio transmitter at the end. That's deus ex machina. So fucking Gary Paulson's like, okay. He writes a book called Brian's Winter that destroys the second book in the series entirely. And in this one, he just doesn't find the radio transmitter. So he has to survive a winter in the wild. It is literally a consecutive sequel uh, and things get very, very rough for Brian. It's like this weird, like paralog like story uh that apparently gary Law, uh, pa- pa- now you got me doing it <laughs> gary paulson wrote to shut up his detractors next one's called brian return brian's return and in this one he is actually having struggles uh fitting into urban life and he talks to a, a therapist who's like yeah you should just move back to the woods so he moves back to the woods because <laughs> it's worked out so great it's for worked him. out so good so far and in the final book it's called brian's hunt he just hunts and fights a big fucking bear <laughs> it like kills this like trapper family that he met in one of the earlier books and he like was upset about that so he's like i'm gonna so it's find- like a fugitive it's style literally fucking uh what is the what is the uh the movie with bill murray the life aquatic where he's like i'm gonna find hi it's me brian you may know me from hatchet this bear killed my friends <laughs> so i'm going to find it and i'm going to tear it in half aren't you like nature man yes yes but i just this one let me kill this one big bear. Anyway, Hatchet kicks ass. I just, I wonder about the decisions that Brian is making where he keeps ending up in these life or death situations. I know. I know. I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where I had to... Kill a bear? Kill a bear, yeah. Yeah, well, there but for the grace of God go Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Can I steal you away? <laughs> yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be... The same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. That was an edit point. That wasn't me clapping like some sort of Roman emperor for you to read the first one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. This is how Griffin and I communicate in all situations. <laughs> the diaper cream. The boy requires the diaper cream. I have a message for Brad. It is from Jacqueline. Well, don't keep me waiting. Brad, happy birthday slash anniversary slash whatever holiday this airs around. Living with you and our little loaf cat is wonderful. Here's to many more days filled with adventures, breweries, popcorn, and nap time. The world is a better place with you in it, and I love you with all my heart. You're the best. Is there a word more challenging to stick the landing on when sandwiched by other words than breweries? Breweries. I feel like when Miriam Wester was like, all right, uh, breweries, how many syllables is that? And everybody in the room just like, seven? <laughs> I think it's two. Shit. Mm -hmm. Funny word, though, huh? Thanks for the message, Brad and Jacqueline. Here's another one for Xander, and it's from Tiana, who says, hey, Xander, I doubt I'm going to win this Jumbotron. Uh-oh. I hope there's nothing scandalous in here. <laughs> Uh, but if I do, thank you for introducing me to Wonderful. I love sharing my small wonders with you every day, and I love spending time with you. Thank you, my best friend and wonderful boyfriend. I miss you as always, and I know Haru does too. Time to change the litter box. So bye. Update. OMG, we won? This one tells a nice little story. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that ending is like, time to change the litter box anyway, I've got to go. Or are they changing the litter box? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh! Yeah. Do you think it's like an instruction? I think it's. I think it's like, good. hey, Xander. I hope you've been enjoying this message, but yeah. you better go change. Xander, that what's that smell? <laughs> I've got to go. My car alarm. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week. On Stop, Stop Podcasting, Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. Stop Podcasting Yourself on MaximumFun.org. Hey, can I tell you about my next thing? Yeah, you just, yeah. It is the onion. The onion. The humble layered fruit. <laughs> the salty, humble, layered fruit, the onion. Uh, 
I mean, I and nothing against onions. I love onions, but I was actually talking about the satirical digital media company and newspaper. Oh yeah, they're pretty good too. Mm-hmm. You familiar with the uh, the work of the onion? Of course, I'm familiar with the work <laughs> of the onion. Uh, I think most people are, but um, I think it's worth discussing because it's incredible and just like such a nice salve in this troublesome time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this started in 1988. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Really? It was a weekly print publication, uh, started in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, this was conceived by University of Wisconsin students, Tim Keck and Christopher Johnson. The Onion was founded as a weekly print newspaper. Um, and then beginning in the fall of 2000 to early 2001, the company relocated from Madison, Wisconsin to Manhattan to raise the onions profile. Um, it's so funny thinking about it. And I know this is like maybe insulting, but thinking about it like an actual business, I know. like I know it is, and that's not trying to short sell them, but it's, it's, I know. So this, so this is around the time period where they, you know, turned into a full production company uh, and talk, you know, started making the books and the, yeah. the digital content. Um, I'm not going to talk about that as much though. Uh, cause I actually haven't consumed a lot of it. Uh, I've always been kind of a devotee of the Ridge. Yeah. And I actually, I don't know when you were in Chicago, were they still doing the print? Yeah. Versions? I think so. They actually, I think they only officially ceased the print edition in 2013. Okay. Um, but you could still get it in some major cities um, before that. So uh, in September 2011, uh, the Onion moved back to Chicago um, in the Midwest. And by uh, June 2014 is when they launched... Uh, Clickhole, which I know you're a big which, fan of. Oh, man. Also mm-hmm. former wonderful uh, segment, Clickhole, mm-hmm. for their amazing Gatorade video. So I wanted to talk about some of the great headlines, uh, which will be a nice segue into the one that you want to share. Yes. Which may be on my list. Uh, there are a lot of different media outlets that have kind of identified their favorite headlines. So I kind of pulled from okay. those. So from Salon.com. Uh, This is when they talk about the origin of the Onion article titled, No Way to Prevent This, says Only Nation Where This Regularly Happens. It's funny, like, the Onion's a very funny website, but now every time I see that pop up, it is also like a gutting, horrible mirror, a pitch black, terrible nightmare mirror. So they've they've used this article several times um, in response to uh, mass shootings. Uh, Every time it's used, it just becomes more and more powerful. Powerful, I right. think. Uh, so that's kind of an example of the way that they can kind of shine a light on a particularly ridiculous aspect of our culture. It's satire, right? Satire doesn't mm-hmm. have to be gut-bustingly funny if it's, you know, also uh, uh, just horribly observational. Yeah. Uh, so this has also come in handy uh, recently. Uh, in 2016, there was an article titled Nation Throws Off Tyrannical Yoke of Moderate Respect for Women, <laughs> which I really enjoy in the time period uh, when Trump took office. There's a lot of good fodder there. Well, there as there was for most satirical, most yeah. satirists in general. Uh, Pitchfork 2017. Um this is this is one that I didn't wasn't familiar with, but I absolutely love uh, Sugar Ray thrilled to be playing in man's head. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an excerpt. 
Although many members of the band claimed the performance was their best in years, <laughs> the show was reportedly not without its share of mishaps. <laughs> Rachel just clutched her chest. Halfway through the third repetition of his opening number, McGrath began unexpectedly singing Rock Lobster. <laughs> A song written and recorded by pop sensation the B-52s, <laughs> only to return to his original set list moments later. <laughs> that whole article is so great. Because <laughs> I think at the end, the person is like, I don't even know why the song stuck in my head. I don't even like Smash Mouth. It's <laughs> so great. Okay, now this this is maybe the most famous and most like prescient uh, onion article that came out in 2004 and it was titled fuck everything we're doing five blades <laughs> <laughs> this is a parody of the chic gillette razor wars uh which actually predated gillette's actual introduction of the five blade razor in 2006 what was um, it the quattro yeah right that was quattro now they i guess they do have razors with six blades now all oh, right <laughs> um so here's a quote from that. Uh, what part of this don't you understand? If two blades is good and three blades is better, obviously five blades would make us the best fucking razor that ever existed. <laughs> Comprende? We didn't claw our way to the top of the razor game by clinging to the two blade industry standard. We got here by taking chances. Stop. I just had a stroke of genius. Are you ready? Open your mouth, baby birds, because mama's about to drop <laughs> you one sweet, fat nightcrawler. Here she comes. Put another aloe strip on that fucker, too. That's right. Five, ba five blades, two strips, and make the second one lather. You heard me. The second strip lathers. It's a whole new way to think about shaving. Don't question it. I've never heard you say the word fucker in the way that you just said it. It was like deeply spiritual, deep south, like... <laughs> oh boy, I'm intoxicated. Um, I this platform plays such a valuable role in all of our lives. Oh yeah, and I think it is worth recognizing on our show about great things. You mentioned the book, so this was my main exposure to the Onion. Yes, uh, in I think 2004, the Our Dumb Century, Our Dumb Century was mm -hmm. released. We had this in. The McElroy upstairs bathroom. Yes, that sounds right. And I read it uh, many times <laughs> during my many sojourns to Is that this room. why all the McElroy spend so long in the bathroom? Were you just conditioning yourselves? Yeah, we had that. We had a lot of Uncle John's bathroom reader. Mm -hmm. There was a page in that book that I would just turn to, and it made me laugh every time. Okay. Our Dumb Century is like a collection of fictional onion-like pages from newspapers throughout time, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, imagining a scenario where the onion has been a, the paper, paper of record for a century. July 21, 1969, headline, holy shit, man walks on fucking moon. <laughs> Neil Armstrong's historic first words on moon. Holy living fuck. <laughs> the moon. Jesus fucking Christ. The distant, lonely, mysterious satellite that has fascinated mankind since the dawn of time so distant is distant and lonely no more. At 4.17 p.m. EST yesterday, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin E. Aldrin Jr. touched down on the Sea of Tranquility in the Lunar Module Eagle and radioed back to Earth the historic report. Jesus fucking Christ, Houston. <laughs> We're on the fucking moon. <laughs> Holy living fuck. Are you fucking <laughs> believing this? Over. Armstrong radioed back to NASA headquarters nearly 250,000 miles away. I absolutely fucking lutely am standing on the <laughs> surface of the fucking moon. Holy mother of fuck, the first man on the moon added. 
<laughs> Roger, no fucking doubt about it, mission controller Peter Lovell replied, a fucking affirmative, over. Yeah, I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. It's still very good. There's so much to mention. Um, All the ones they do now of just like area man, blank, blank, blank. Mm-hmm. Like they're so quick hit and it's the same joke structure every time and it slays me. Yeah. Yes. The onion. Uh, my second thing, I'm going to go through it real fast because this has been, we've been, we've been really chewing the, chewing the fat here, chewing the, chewing the cud. I'm going to talk about the fact. Oh, wait, this is last week's notes. I can't talk about blown away again. I mean, you could. I want to talk about the fact that there is an app for virtually all of my human needs. This is maybe a bit more of an abstract idea. But like tech industry, whatever. I don't want to go off on the tech industry. End of the day, I think it's pretty sick that whenever there is a function that I need filled by technology or an app, odds are it exists. And you know what? The time I really realized this Hmm. was when you got our lawn mowed through an app. We needed a lawn mowed. We were going out of town. We wanted to get our lawn mowed. Got an app and it was just like, this was years ago too. This isn't even like a new thing. This has been around for literal years. This week, Nintendo's coming out with a new model of Switch in September. And I wanted to, I want to get it. Nintendo products are like famously kind of hard to get the first like salvo that come out. Uh, and so I was like, ah, I want to pre-order it. How do I find out when pre-orders go up? Well, you can sign up for Amazon or Best Buy or whoever's like mailing list and they'll tell you when the item is available. What if I'm not checking my email? There's an app called like the tracker that I downloaded and I just typed in like, hey, send me a notification whenever this thing pops up in any store. And then it did today and I got it. Because an app existed. Wow. The app exists. And like, I fretted about that. I fretted about like, <laughs> am I going to get this thing? And then there was an app for it. And obviously that's a really innocuous thing. But like uh, Slack, I think is a great app. Discord is great. It's like, I need to chat and I need to make communities and I need private chats and I need a place to upload files and get them, you know, distributed to people and X, Y, and Z. There's apps. Those apps exist. <laughs> I'm really, really forgetful. I'm an extremely forgetful person. It's true. I've got Google Cals now, and I am more diligent about putting stuff into GCal. And now my fucking phone is like, hey, hey, you forgot about that haircut. Go, go, go. <laughs> I wouldn't miss a haircut without it. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, there's just so many. I can't make it through movies without having to go pee. I have never looked this. I thought that this was not real for the longest time. Oh, run pee? Yes. This is just transition to a segment about RunP. RunP is an app, and I actually think they changed it recently where it's like a pay-to-play sort of situation where you have to buy credits to get this function for different movies. But you sit down in the theater, and you pick which movie you're about to watch in the app. And then it even has a dark activation mode, and it'll say, like, once the you know lion roars in the MGM logo... Now you turn turn the app on and get it going and it syncs up with the movie and it tells you when there are like down periods in the movie where you can go pee. And while you're peeing, you can read a synopsis of what's going on while you're peeing. How how quick do they get this updated? And, and what is the process for updating it? I just, I have so many questions. I don't know. I don't know if they're getting early screeners, but there's an app for that. If I want to know what the tempo is of the song I'm listening to, there's an app for that. Like there's an app for all these things. And yes, we live in like a dystopian cyber future. And that part's not great. And there's a lot of apps for stuff that people will like never 
need like a lot, but the benefit of that like horrible spaghetti at the wall is, you know, you need an app to help soothe your anxiety or sleep better. There's tons of apps for that. You can have Matthew McConaughey read you a book, whatever. What literally changed my life is just having Google Maps on my phone. I was the person that used to print out directions on a piece of paper. Yeah. And carry it with me to my destination. And I did that for far too long. And what would happen sometimes is you would turn the wrong way and then That's you just it. had no idea how to now get I'm back. Now I'm lost. <laughs> I drove to Chicago when I was like before I had an iPhone and went to visit my buddy Evan and survived in Chicago. I basically like parked my car way outside of like the city like in the very far last stop of the of the trains and then like just forgot that I had a car and then on my way back I got lost in Cincinnati for like two hours and I was like pulling into gas stations to call my dad like I don't know where I am (laughs) I don't know where I am I ended up having to go the wrong way down a highway because I finally saw my exit and so I like I drove the wrong way down a highway a little bit to get home because I was so panicked this is the thing like and I'm not gonna Andy Rooney out here I promise but like This is a real thing that I think about is this idea of these mostly fairly privileged like desires or curiosities that I have can now be instantly catered to in any imaginable way. And like that was wicked when I was younger, when I was in high school, uh, like we had a dial up modem where if somebody called the house while I was playing EverQuest, it kicked me off the internet and now it's like i can figure out my phone will tell me when to go fucking pee during the avengers movie (laughs) like that is such a wild sea change and it has not been that long no since it wasn't a thing uh and there's like i think when you become a parent there's like lots of you can make infinite observations about like well that's different which is probably why like it's a thing that every parent generation has ever done this is the origins of the i walked you know uphill two ways to school like maybe this is my version of it but it is i don't begrudge it it's just like because god knows i take advantage of it too it's just wild to me how quickly that 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 has changed uh yeah shit's different I used to have to tear the little accordion pieces off the edge of paper when I would print something out because you used to have to print something out. Yeah. One time I printed out like a 150 page uh, game facts strategy guide for Pokemon Gold and Silver and I got caught because it was the school library (laughs) and they let me keep it, but I got in uh, trouble and I wasn't allowed to work in the library anymore. (sighs) You did this when you were working in the library? Yeah, it was the perfect crime, huh? Oh, I was man. the inside I was the inside man. You know why? Cuz I could I didn't have like a reliable internet access at home that I could download the game facts for. Anyway, I have a theory that every story of employment before the age of let's say 20 or no, no let's say 23. Yeah. is primarily a story of theft. Oh yeah, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> I can tell you shit that would make your hair turn gray. See, now why is it okay for you to steal Crushums from the TCBY, but it's not okay for Simone Munch to take one line out of somebody else's poem? <laughs> That's just what I'm asking. You know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. You're not. It would be like if I put the Crunchums in the ice cream mm-hmm. and I was like, I made both the Crunchums <laughs> and the ice cream. This is called Griffin's Ice Cream. I want to talk about what our friends at home are excited about. Katie says, you know what's wonderful when you're folding a paper in thirds to put it in an envelope and you eyeball it and you get it perfect on the first try. Oh, I love that too. Kobe. 
when I worked uh, at literary magazines and we used to have to send responses back through the mail, mm. I really perfected through folding a piece of paper. Uh, Alexandria says, my wonderful thing is when you line up your car tires just right with the gap in between two speed bumps while driving and either miss the bump completely or only go over it with two of your tires like a little game, but in real life. I do this all the time. I do too. Not because I'm a speedy boy necessarily, but because like I don't trust the suspension in any car. Like it can't be good for your car, right? I, I, I am, can't imagine it is, but it's also just kind of a fun challenge. Kind of a fun challenge, yeah. Uh, Lindsay says, a thing I find wonderful is when someone opens a fresh pack of minty gum and the smell escapes the plastic casing for the first time. I was reminded of it during a long flight when the person next to me opened a fresh pack of minty gum and I could smell it from my seat. It was truly wonderful and very refreshing after a long stint in the airport. God, out of all the smells that you get on an airplane, that has to be the best. (laughs) Or possibly the only good one. (laughs) I've ever told you the story about when I think this is probably on tour. So we were all probably the the boys were all traveling together and there was an older woman sitting in the seat in front of us who had a big thing of country crock. No, nope. see, this is me. I was there and it was you were the there. person sitting next to me. You made me take the middle seat because that's what you always that's do. That's right. Okay. And the woman literally got out a tub, a plastic tub she was reusing specifically to put tuna salad in it. Like the plane hadn't even left yet. And I just looked over at you and I remember motioning like, can you believe this is happening? crock. Of country crock. Of country crop. Like, I, you know, fuck it. I'm from West Virginia. I know all about the using country crock as a yeah. Tupperware situation. Yeah. But not, I would never bring that shame onto on an airplane. Plane. With the stinky fish inside. And also, like, how did she get that through security? How did she get, did she make it in the airport? This was not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, it was at least within the past five years. Yeah. I have IBS and a very small bladder. Yes. You do not want me sitting. You do not want to be on the on the hook every time I have to use the You the do jaunt. not want to be on the plane, let's say, even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad point. Thank you to everybody uh, listening today. And you know what? Even if they're not listening, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And a big thanks to Maximum Fun. They got all kinds of great shows like Switchblade Sisters. Bullseye. And stop podcasting yourself. Can I pet your dog? No. And a lot more <laughs> at Maximum Fun. We have other stuff at McElroy.family. Uh, thus ends our broadcast, our broadcasts hours. Now, <laughs> for some reason, it's the national anthem. Good night. And good luck. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.
Hey, James. Hey, Nike. What we doing, girl? We are inviting the awesome listeners of Maximum Fun to join us at Minority Corner. Ooh, fun. But you know how we go on Tangent City. We're the joint mayors. We're not going to do that, okay? Soup's focus. Okay, so Minority Corner is where you can all come and get your pop culture taste. Plus, social commentary, news, and TV movie reactions like Avengers Endgame. No spoilers here. Ooh, snap. Sometimes we dig into the vaults and we review and recap those movies you missed. Gonna you, Halle Berry's kidnapped. I love how she always gets. 1,000%. Like Beyonce. Did you see Homecoming on Netflix? She was burning it down like the mother of dragons. Have you seen the latest Game of Thrones? So good. Only thing missing? More, More black, black people. people. What do you think about Mayor Pete? Wait a minute, James! We went on a tangent. Yes. Ah, well. Join us every Friday for more tangents. On Maximum Fun.